Hello, everybody. Hello, Mark. Hi, Will. Hi, Mark. How are you? Well, yeah. You look well. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, you're wearing a, for, just to describe to the, to the listeners and people who don't watch on YouTube and subscribe and review us and give us uh, over 4.8 stars out of five. Mm. If you haven't done that, you're still time. Uh, you're wearing a new pair of chinos. Yeah, new pair of chinos. Thank you. Yeah, um, bought them last week. I yeah. like to wear them as soon as I buy new stuff. And yeah. They're here today. Um, and we are also joined by, I would, I would say, Mark, and I think you would say as well, because you said this to me on the tram. We always get the tram done, don't we, from Manchester, mm. which is a nice bit of quality time that we spend together. One of the best front rowers of his generation. Yes. Family friend of the Flanagans. Yes. Um, just, just before we say who it is, just, why don't you just describe him for us? And I wonder if the people can Oof. guess who, who He's got it. a pearly white smile. Yeah. Um, what, are, you, are, you, are you suggesting anything? No, no, I'm just, you asked me a question. I'm yeah. just doing Great flosser. Um, he's got glasses on, which makes him look clever. Yeah. Um, Fantastic salt, hairline. Salt and pepper hair, nice fringe. Yeah. And then just gone for the sports casual look today. Gone for the summer look. Today. Oh, what a voice. Yeah. There it is. It's like a, a Barry White of, of maybe Oldham. Yeah. For two Oldhamers. Two Oldhamers. Barry McDermott, welcome. Two former Waterhead juniors. <laughs> no. Wow. Yeah. No, come on. Let's not start with that. I have a picture of you in a Waterhead kit, Mark Flanagan. Yes. So I played for Saddleworth. That was my junior club. Yeah. And then... My dad, when he retired from rugby, he did a bit of coaching at, at Waterhead and coached Barry. Oh, was it under 19s? I think so, 19s or 17s. They used to. They didn't have an 18s. It was 17s, 19s, and if you're old, in, uh, if you're in between, you sort of played. A bit of both. Played a bit of both. So yeah. And yeah, they, good coach, Flan. Good yeah. motivator. Obviously, as we know, anybody that knows the Flanagan yeah. family, great communicators. Yeah. Sell a story. Yeah. Sell a dream. He always reminds me of sort of De Niro from Meet the Fuckers, Terry yeah. Flanagan. You know, he's got a room, hasn't he? He's got a room yeah. with cameras and screens. Yeah. He's, he's got a presence, trust. Flan. He's yeah. got a presence. And, and he has. What, what Flan managed to do for me was show me, and, and, and like, obviously we've got things to discuss, but when I finished and retired from, from rugby, I uh, dropped him a message, where are you, what are you up to? He said, oh, I'm near Leeds. I said, can I buy you a coffee? Just want to sit down and chat with you. And I said... With the greatest respect, Flan, I, I want what you've got. I want to know how you've got to this point and, you know, can I tap into that that vast experience that you've got and would you would you mind giving me a bit of a route map into your life on and off the field, in and out of the sport and, and, and what's made you successful? And, and bless him, he was as, as open as he could be at that time. He gave me some really, really good advice, mm. some really good family advice that I live and die by now he's especially a fan, with kids. he's a fantastic human yeah. being v vast experience and vast pot of cash which one day Mark <laughs> is, is going to inherit with, with Louise right down the middle 50-50 yeah 50-50 yeah. Yeah. hopefully <laughs> um, so look I mean, famous sons of Oldham can we, can we call you that Mark or you, you're sad because I mean you're from posh Oldham really aren't you yeah I was born in Wright and then moved to Saddleworth but it's still quite quickly within the day sort of like just no no when I was about 8 and then it's still within the Oldham borough right uh, and then you're going to list some famous well, names. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, should we, should we, yes, in Harris, Mike Ford, Paul Scholthorpe, Kevin Sinfield, your dad, Terry Flanagan, any more? Who have I missed? Uh, from rugby, Kyle Eastmond, yeah. um, the Greenwood brothers, yeah. Fordis. Fordis, George Ford. Yeah, yeah. or oh, George as well, yeah. Yeah, Lords. Uh, what, a, what a great place, Oldham is. Uh, so, um, Mark, give me some quiz music. Just sort of give me, just hum some quiz music for me. Quiz music? Yeah. Welcome, uh, I'm Will Perry. Welcome to the Oldham Quiz. Uh, are you ready to play? Just shout your name, please. Uh, and um, whoever, sh no, not now, when you, when oh. you know the answer. Uh, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's get, see who can score the most points. How many letters in the word Oldham? Mark, six. Oh, Barry. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Barry. Flan. What's the prize? You'll see in a minute. The population of Oldham to the nearest 5,000. Barry. Barry. 130,000. Oh, 
Mark, 150,000. Uh, 242,000. Oh, wow. One all. Wow. McDermott equalises. Um, how many times have Oldham Ruffians been crowned champions? Mark, five. Define champions. Challenge Cup. They won the league. Wait, five. I'm going to say less. I'm going to say three. The answer's four. So what do we do there? It's a point each. Point each. Yeah, so we're two all going into the third round here. Why is Oldham referred to as Texas Oldham? Mm. Is it something oh, to do um, with the Mark, textiles? Mark, Mark, Texas Hold'em is a type of poker. Correct, but what's that got to do with Oldham? Uh, Hold'em and Oldham sound the same. Uh, no, uh, because there was a large oil discovery there in the 1910s. Still 2-2, going into the fifth question. Two, one. Uh, my old schoolmate Winston Churchill began his political career in Oldham. True or false? True. Mark, true. Oh. You've got to say your name, Barry. I know. That's 3-2. I told Flanagan. you that on the way down. Three, two, Flanagan. You didn't see the quiz. Um, and uh, just finally, chance to equalise here, Barry. Uh, Carl Cox and Brian Cox are both from Oldham. Are they brothers? True or false? <laughs> Barry. Barry. Oh, we got there first. Identical Fal twins. False. false. It's three all. It's an equaliser. Thank you very much. What a lovely quiz. By the way, some other names. Famous sons of Oldham. Kelvin Fletcher. Mm. Bobby Ball. You want to play this game with me, Mark? No, it's fine. Christopher Biggins. Um, Eric Sykes, uh, Sarah, Sarah Lancashire, Sarah Lancashire. Yes. let's move on. Uh, David Platt, Michael Atherton, yeah. uh, Paul Scholes. Um, uh, what, what is it, go on then, Barry, about Oldham, that, that, that is such a hotbed of rugby league? Uh, I, th I think we're strugglers. I think we're, you know, we're, we're brought up, I, I can only talk about my upbringing. I was brought up in a very modest, you know, full of love family, but, mm. you know, not, not too many... Not too many pe people I knew, grew up with, went to school with, had a semi-detached house. Never mm. mind a detached house. So, terraced houses. Oldham famous for its cotton mills and its, you know, its 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 working class attitude and work mm. ethic. So, you know, I I used to, when I was going through the ranks as a as a rugby player, I used to think I I'm different to everyone else because I'm not born in Wigan, not born in Saints. It wasn't a given that I was going to be successful at Oldham. So. The only way that I'm going to survive is is through working harder than everyone else and, and not giving up and keep going and, and and being resilient and all that good stuff. So mm. I think that ripples through the town. We we're, we're fighters, we're scrappers. Yeah. I think the the climate in Oldham. If you're playing rugby league as a young child, at six, seven, eight, you're playing on Oldham Edge or Saddleworth or Waterhead, and it's absolutely freezing. It's blowing a gale, and if that doesn't toughen you up to play an already tough sport, you're never you're never going to be a player anyway so mm. I think if you can survive and get used to those conditions and parents shouting at you on the sidelines and it's bloody cold I think you, you've got the right mindset to, to play what is and it's not necessarily about winning is it no. we've had some successful players and, and over the time had some sex, successful teams but mm. predominantly there's five lads that play rugby league because they, they love it and they're passionate about it the rest of them are too fat for football so <laughs> it ends up you know you, you, you're not always on the right side of the scoreboard but not always is the scoreboard the indicator of whether you win or lose in yeah. the competitions well one of those Oldhamers Mike Ford just before we move on and talk about you Barry um, has taken over hasn't he he's been part of the consortium and got his, got his hands on an Oldham rough yet so what, what good can he do there is that I mean because obviously he's passionate about, about the club and grew up watching them right well, he knows the town inside out. He knows the business um, side of the town, and obviously the people within the town respect him as a, as an entity in rugby, whether it's league or union. So mm. he's got everybody's respect. The mm. reason 
he's there on the face of it looks like it's to get Oldham back up to the to the heights that it was. But you think back to that first year of Super League, 1996, Oldham was one of the original 12 teams, in it? Mm. It was after Fordy because I joined Oldham in 91. Fordy then had left and gone to Cass. Um, but there was a lot of successful players in that late 80s, early 90s side that were from the area that, that were born and bred in Oldham. And I think that, you know, to have a, an Oldham side that's got predominantly old and born and bred players that are proud to play for the town, proud to represent the town, because, as I say, it's not always about winning. Oldham would like to be successful, but in reality, they're never going to be as strong as Wigan Saints, Warrington Leeds, those types of areas. But if you can give the best and represent the town with a with a, an integrity and an honesty and a, and a fight and resilience that reflects the town, then, then happy days. You can tell he's a motivational speaker, Mark, can't you? Mm. Is he motivating well. you to, to, yeah. to speak more? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. It? It's a nice change. Or is he intimidating? It's a nice change. Are you thinking he's such no, a good he speaker? Can, Barry can flip a, a switch where he's, he's, he's charismatic, he's, he's entertaining, he speaks handsome. well, like handsome. But then I remember watching him play and there'd be a switch where he's the scariest man on the planet. Yeah, but it's like good to be like that, though, 100%. isn't it? 100%. It's good to be like that. It's, too hard, for it's too hard to be a, a dickhead yeah. for the, as long for as the you're rest of your life. The pitch. Yeah. And you, Barry yeah. used to say one thing for me. It's. It was, um, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be yeah. nice. And that's something you live your life by. Family, it? family. My grandma was was adamant that it didn't, I mean, I think it comes from the Catholic side of, of my character. Mm. Catholicism, you can do what you want, really. As long as you say sorry in, in confession, say your uh, fathers and your ale mirrors, you can, you, you can crack on. But I think the, the outlet for me, especially as a young man, a young adult, was the rugby pitch. There was a period where it was the nightclubs of Oldham, but it was the, it was the rugby pitch where, where most of the time I got it right. Occasionally I got it wrong and served me penance and, and you crack on. Well, look, you've, you've painted the picture then of a pretty sort of humble upbringing. What, what do we need to know about young Barry McDermott, you know, as a kid, as a toddler, family, mum, dad, siblings? Me, my mum, my dad, my sister, my grandma, that was our tight, close unit. My granddad died when I was sort of 14, 15, 15 years old. Um, so my grandma sort of became part of, of our four, made us five. And, and, and we were always tight. We were always close and close with my lot now. And, and anybody that comes in has to be on the same page. So me as a kid, I was just, I was just your typical non-academic, loved school because it was a, an excuse to play sport, played football, basketball, um, cricket, softball, did a little bit of trampoline and did gymnastics, did everything because I just had that much energy um, that I just wanted to be involved in everything. I wasn't academic. It took me a long time to learn how I learned. Yeah. I, I educated myself when I come out of sport, really, because you've got to do, haven't you? Yeah. But, but so you did all sorts of sports, but yeah. pre, and we're going to talk about you, you know, wanting to, to be in the army from a very young age, but when, when did rugby league become a light in your head? Late, late, I'd say late, when I left school. So you, you used to go watching Oldham at Watershed? Sort of, yeah, yeah. but only to mess about. Yeah. Only to mess about. So you weren't mates. passionate about it as a kid? No, because I was, I, was just, I was just full of energy. I don't think you could pin me down to one sport because mm. there wasn't one that, that lit the flame. There wasn't, um, I wasn't big. I was, a, if you know anything about rugby league, you know the quartiles and the kids that are, but when are you born, Flam? Uh, December, eight, December. So you'd have been first quartile. You'd have been first to have uh, a beard. You'd have, or, or a little 
tash or you yeah. you know you'd have been first to get muscles Cubes. and I was good. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. say that I, but you would have been the first yeah. at the queue yeah. in terms of maturity yeah. I'm a July baby so I was right. right at the back and then our school sent Albans had a lot of footballers in it so I used to play up so I was always sort of not anonymous, but I was noticeable because I was smaller than everyone else, but, mm. but game enough to keep me place in the team. Mm. So, so where did this desire to be in the army come from? Um, I wanted to fight. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to fight. Could I you wanted not have done to that travel. Down Oldham City Centre, town centre. Yeah, but I didn't travel much. Just to the police station on a, on a <laughs> oh, semi-regular basis. Were you, were you on tra in trouble as a kid? Not, not as a kid, but as a as a sort of teenager. I couldn't. I couldn't back down. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't listen. I think that's when I look back and I reflect. I wouldn't walk away, and that was mis mistake. I'm. I'm better at walking away now. I'm just mumbling to myself as I do. Mm. Have you I have that a, battle. Have you got a record as well. I have. Yeah. You know I have. Can we talk about <laughs> your record? As a record. Oh, well, what's the record, Matt? Um, go on, you want... No, you 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 asked the question. No, I, just, I didn't, know if, didn't know if it was true or not. <laughs> so I, I'm led to believe Barry was the first person in the country to have CS gas sprayed on him. Oh, really? Yeah. It came out on the Friday and on the Saturday evening, I was... Yeah. You, were, you were the guinea pig? I was. I think I don't think you class it as guinea pig. I was the dickhead that was <laughs> big big of mouth and attitude. And, and it, you know, short, long story short, I was I'll, I'll, loud I'll have the, and we'll obnoxious. The long story. <laughs> I was loud and obnoxious and right. I wouldn't answer questions in, a, in, a, in, a, in the right manner because I'm full of... Beer. I'm, me and yeah. my mate are celebrating the fact that our girlfriends, who are now uh, my wife, uh, were pregnant at the time. Right. I've watched Waterhead. I've done the full day. Anybody that knows old and back in the in the nineties will will recognise the hill. So mm. I was on the hill. I'd had a dozen pints on the way down. Got into the nightclub. Was just an ass. And and something had happened with a taxi driver outside. Yeah. I wouldn't answer any questions. One police man tried to grab my arm and put it behind my back mm. that at that point I, I was at, i was at wigan i think actually uh, at that point i'm as strong as as any point in my career so mm. he's not putting my arm behind my back another one jumped in he can't put me down and then it was a bit of like watching incredible Hulk just throw people um, <laughs> across the street and this nightclub i was at had a, had a big police van at the top where yeah. another half a dozen police riot gear and, and everything and chaos ensued so so yeah it wasn't a great part of my life what point did the gas come out because they were like bring out the gas I, I, do you know, I don't know i don't know six it's or quite, seven on the deck yeah i can't sleep and they thought get that spray out get that spray out i can't remember everything it, it works really so easy. well that they've used it yeah. from, from that point from the 80s yeah i've got a nice little uh Nice little truncheon mark on my head there. That's when I, when I used to have a skinhead on a regular basis. It, it was it was there. It was so. You, was that a night in the cells, sleeping in the cells? It was a couple of nights in the cells. That one, really? and then yeah. I, I, I think to be to be fair, I think I've been in trouble maybe maybe half a dozen times. Yeah. But I would always say I wear those badges as I'm not proud of them, but mm. I, but I, I wear them because it's made me into who I am now. It, yeah. It's it's brought me to this point here, and I, I'm. I'm older and wiser, and nobody that's old and wise hasn't been young and daft when, mm. you know, when the when they were in the, those those phases of their lives. Yeah. So, so you wanted to go and serve. You wanted to be in the army, and you have 
uh, basically it's a, an horrific accident yeah as a kid talk, talk to us about that for those who don't know a saturday afternoon i was 15 1987 5th of december um, me and a pal of mine are shooting with a with an air rifle and a pellet ricocheted off a plastic ball hit my nose and went into my right eye and and blinded me and I, I just remember having sort of all this fluid and obviously everything's gone black and i remember having all this fluid i'm panicking my mates panicking we're not really supposed to be messing about with air rifles never mind shooting shooting at things and, and injuring each other and um, it was it was a horrific thing at the time although i didn't really fully understand having had injuries at rugby i thought well I'll be fine. The doctors will fix it. The physios will fix it. There'll be a there'll be a route forward. And until probably two or three years down the track, I didn't really understand that that was it. Um, the army wasn't an option then because you couldn't go in without without twenty twenty vision. And mm. and I had to think again. And I had to work out what my what my route forward was. So so it was like like most lads that that weren't clever. It was on the building sites and playing rugby part time on a on a Saturday and a Sunday. How do you accept that? You say you're 15, right? Yeah. I mean, take us back to the first moment that you, you know, you'd come out of hospital and had a, yeah. everything sort of dressed and started to heal, but you, but you look in the mirror at yourself. I, do, I think my mind has taken it away because my mind has, my mind's replaced it with the great memories of, of support and love from my family and all those people who stuck my, by me then, the majority of them are still in my circle of friends now. So mm. I just, I think I've got, and it comes back to where we're from. It comes back to our, our background, our family. Stiff upper lip. Dare I say our faith. You know, mm. you just, you just trust in, in what's meant to be and, and, and crack on with it. That don't mean that I, I didn't have days where I were pissed off and I'm thinking, well, I want to do that. And who says I can't do that? And that I'll show them part of my brain has, mm. has been really, really good for me, really good for me, because on a, on a regular basis, if not every week, then at some point, most days, I'm, I'll, I'll show you. Mm. I'll show you I can. Mm. How did it affect your rugby? Cause it must be terribly difficult to be used to having full vision, both eyes to going from half yeah. and then... Well, it's not half, it's sort of 75%. Ah, of course, yeah, yeah. It's sort of 75%, so... Explain, explain that to us, why, why 75%? Because it's not, it, it doesn't, your vision doesn't stop at your nose, it goes somewhere past your so, nose, so doesn't your, it? your left eye gives you 75%. So, yeah, but right. I'm, li listen, I'm, I'm no expert on the medical explanation yeah, yeah. of it, but I can tell you from from somebody that's lived it, it's it, obviously when you get to here, I can't yeah. see that. But, now. But, but the adjustment at yeah. that stage, because you're 15, you'd already played sport and you'd done all these, you know, trampolining and tennis yeah. and everything as a kid and you wanted to just get involved in absolutely everything. Yeah. How much did it affect you just, you know, on a pitch and running? There, there Do you know what it just drove me forward, Will? It did made it? me more determined. It made me more passionate about what I was doing. And, I, and I've always loved sport. I've always loved doing lots of different sports. Rugby became the avenue that I went down. Because when mm. I started on the building sites, and my mum laughs about it now, she'd butter eight slices of bread. I've got four sandwiches. I've got a pint of milk like you did back in them days, thinking I've got to build myself up. Mm. I'd have ate them sandwiches before lunchtime. <laughs> and then the blokes who I was working with would, you know, would chuck me some couple of quid and, I, and, and I'd go and get something else. Uh, you know, go and get something else from the yeah. sandwich shop. So I just became from like a, a school lever of 13, 13 and a half stone to 15 stone in, 
in in no time at all and then i started to then just i've always liked training i've always loved weights i still do weights now five or six times a week i still mm. work out as often as i can so i loved being in a gym and at waterhead what we had um I don't, I don't, I'm not sure whether anybody's ever mentioned it on, on, on your platform before on your podcast, but mm. a guy called Ken Wilson was integral to people like Scully, people like Kev, lots of other lads that have played at different levels because Ken Wilson, Tug Wilson would talk about press ups, sit ups, squat thrusts, squat jumps, mm. dips, chins, you know, all this body weight stuff. We weren't olympic bar lifting we, we had one bar and all the all, all the discs that that you put on were all different weights you yeah. sort of had to guess which side equaled the other but i sort of got into that and we'd play on a sunday or or sometimes i'd play saturday and sunday for open age and under 17s and 19s still be in the gym on the monday mm. wearing it as a badge of honor that it didn't matter what i'd done at weekend how many pints i'd sunk on a sunday night mm. I was still tough enough yeah. to come in the gym and throw some weights around on a, on a Monday. Where does that mentality come from? Tug. Was it just Tug, tug? definitely. Yeah. He instilled it in a lot of us. Um, John Perks, who, who we know really well, yeah. uh, and Keith Brennan are running my old club now. And they're trying to put that and, and, and implement that mentality around everything that they're doing. And, and, and amateur players are, are amateur. And I think... You know, we, we, we're looking at IMG and what can we do for Super League and how can we grow the game. And it's about participation for me. It's about schools, mm. it's about amateur rugby and it's about giving them as much support as they can and putting as much, as many rugby balls in as many people's hands because the more we get young people, not just boys, or, 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 you know, boys and girls, gro the growth of the game now is massive in the, in the girls' game. So give them as many rugby balls as they can so they're not kicking it, mm. they're picking up and, and passing and running with it. I, I, I don't want to dwell on the eye, but it's the last thing, thing yeah. on it, because it's, I mean, I, I'm just amazed that you've, that you had such an incredible career afterwards. Was there ever a point where you thought, that's going to stop me even achieving, achieving my dreams, no. dreams as an athlete? No. no, and it's not because I had self-belief and it's not because I had, at every stage, I had an imposter syndrome to the point where I was like, right, well, and I remember vividly remember my Great Britain debut in '94, and I'm around mega stars of the time and Jonathan Davis, um, Martin Afire, Sean Edwards. I go through the team, but basically iconic players of that era, mm. all of them, and Barry from Oldham, having played eight times. For what? From Having played eight times for Wigan, but 40 odd times for Oldham, at, you know, and at different times at Oldham, I kept dislocating my elbow. I don't know why, but mm. I kept, it <laughs> kept, accident. it kept popping out of the, the, <laughs> the joint and um, I've had a lot of injuries, but most of them self-inflicted, but that joint and, and there were different times where I keep, I, I was thinking, is this something that I can do? Bearing in mind I'm a joiner. Mm. I'm employed to knock nails and saw timber and I can't because this this right arm of mine keeps keeps going wonky on me and, I, and I'm out for a couple of months but the me eye was never something that I felt would hold me back and it it, it, it was the it was the root cause of things yeah. but it but it, it the all roads would lead back to me because I would think well I'd need better technique I need mm. earlier recognition all these things that I'd learned how to adapt into my game that was where I focused not on the thing that I couldn't control uh, I've, I've read 
before you know you said it actually in in a in a strange way it's probably one of the best things that happened to yeah. you in, in the changes that it gave you as a person yeah right? it humbled me as a person because i was a i was a dickhead as a as a teenager i, mm. I had a, a mad phase and most most young men have a, a mad phase and it was before the times of video phones and you know real scrutiny on on social media and stuff like that made mistakes and, and not too many people got to fi find out about it but the people that did find out about it were the people that mattered most to me mm. and it, it's funny actually i'll tell you a quick story so my mum was abroad um she's looking through autobiography picks adrian morley's autobiography she's not got to that one she starts reading it and uh, I got a phone call after a, a day and a bit of a reading it. She went, you never told me you got arrested in St. Helens. <laughs> <laughs> what went, was that? That wasn't the gas. I went, no, <laughs> this was another one. I went, I'm pretty sure I did. She went, you liar. You never told me. I've, look, I've looked at the dates. <laughs> and I went, mum, it was Moss. He was the cause of it. Yeah. What did he say in the book? She said, he's blamed it on you. I said, well, he would do the shit out. <laughs> <laughs> what happened that fateful night? Um, talking instead of listening. By by Mozzie's <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. When you when you go back to things, you touched on those sort of uh, those early days at, at Oldham. Like, what great memories do you have there with playing with those people that went on to become stars before you joined Wigan? Those years. What I learned at Oldham is is the strength of representing your your community. So I played played for Waterhead. Started at Saddleworth. Played for Waterhead. Uh, nobody cared really whether we won or lost. It was, you know, it it was, it was nice, but not necessarily. When I went to Oldham, it, it was less about the scoreboard, but more about the effort that mm -hmm. you put in, the commitment that you showed to your teammates. So what I learned is, and it sounds strange to say, it, but how to lose with a bit of dignity, knowing that it's not it's not got to hamper your preparation for the week after. So you can't turn in on a on a on a you sort of be Tuesday Thursday. Saturday training with Oldham, but I'd always train on my own Monday and Wednesday. You can't turn in on a, on a Monday and, and have less en energy and enthusiasm just because you've got beaten on a Sunday. So I learned the power of of losing, and I learned that I, I was looking around at the people that I were playing with, and they were just as as um, um, good as me, just as skillful as me, just mm. as quick, fast, strong, you know. But but they had a bit more to put in and they had a bit more, they were looking at the the different parts of their game that, that they wanted to strengthen. So it was more about me looking at what I could fix up and what I could be better at rather than just focusing on. I was just aggressive when I was at Oldham mm -hmm. and that aggression boiled over and, and ended up, you know, it was something that everybody, I think, liked what I brought to the table. But Is that what got you the move to Wigan? That? I th I'd say so, yeah. I'd say the aggression, I think every coach I ever had thought they could tame what I'd got and just keep me the right side of the line. Mm. But sometimes you need that. If it does yeah. creep over the edge, you need that. And I think you end up changing the play if you end up trying to um, tame it too much but I think you touched on something there when you're a young man coming into a rugby team you've got to be a sponge haven't you you've yeah. got to be coachable you've got to be teachable you've got to listen to the advice from yeah. your peers and the role models at a club And some of them aren't role models though so, that, well, so that's, that's just as important that, isn't it? yeah that's that's the other thing is just pick just knowing which ones are going to benefit you and some yeah. might hold you back and lead you astray obviously there's a time and a place for everything but I think a good dressing room with, with good leaders yeah. is really important for young men, isn't it? I won't name names, but I, rem I recall my first training session at Oldham and I'm, and I'm keen and I'm enthusiastic and, you know, fitness was, was 
my passion, but I was never the fittest. I was never the fittest. Um, I was fit for a big fella and, and, and always tried to be as good as I could be, but I was at my first session and, and the, the senior pro, who was probably the captain at the time, said, hey, get behind me. No prizes in training. And I listened to it and I was like, right, well, I don't want to upset him because I want him to respect me. But mm. after a couple of sessions, I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not having this. I've got to make them respect me by me being as good as I can be because that's the only way I'm going to get in the team. The mm. coach at the time was a, was a, a former Australian Brought forward called Peter Tunks and he, he treated me, I thought, I felt like he treated me really badly. So every session we were there, I was always trying to impress him to the mm. point where I don't think I did myself any favours at times. But that's, that's the a, learning phase. That's a dilemma to have, like upsetting the captain or not getting the team because the coach doesn't rate you. <laughs> but that depends, I think. And, and what I learned when I got through to my mid-20s, when I was in my successful period, is you've only got to please one bloke and, and that's the one that picks the team. Yeah. He's the only one that determines whether you get in or not. The people around you... But a young you, guy wants to keep the dressing room on yeah, board as well, right? Yeah, and these were players who I respected and, and mm. admired and, and completely different. The contrast between my first session at Oldham to the first session I had at Wigan was just like chalk and cheese. I walked into the dressing room at Oldham. Nobody even lifted their, their head at the time. Terry O'Connor and myself had both joined at the same time as as is the the style now the the young kids and the new the new players going miles before everyone else so i'm in the changing room and there were a couple of established players and they didn't even look at me nobody's shaking me hand and, and welcoming me on board the the first bloke to welcome me was the the bloke that i saw when i signed the contract he, he didn't come for to for months after and it was sean edwards mm. Shook my hand and, and said, I'm, I'm really pleased you're, you're on our side now because I'm sick of running away from you. I'm sick, of, <laughs> I'm sick of looking out for you in any game that you play. He said, I'm glad you're on my side. Anything you need, any help, just, just let me know. And, and Gizzy's a funny character. He's a very unique character. Very individual he was as a player. He's, it's amazing to see how well he's done as a, as a coach because his, his way of playing was was to be, you know, single-minded and stubborn and any fitness drill or anything we ever did, he was right at the front. But mm. when it come down to, to to rolling your sleeves up and getting in the trenches and getting dirty, he was like, go on, that's, yeah. that's your your job is that. Was was that as big a step up as it sounds now yeah. from Oldham to, to Wigan? And, and, and also, why just the season at Wigan before that amazing move to Leeds, which was life-changing for you? So I did I did three seasons with Oldham, and in between the second and the third, I went to play in Australia, which was a, a seminal moment in my life because I'd I'd sort of got into a bit of a rut. We were in a built another bloody building recession, so I couldn't get work. I was scratching about for bits of money here and there, but... I didn't drive, so I couldn't travel, and, and I prioritised um, Oldham, I prioritised rugby league, so it was always about being there for training, it was always about making sure that I was doing all I could to be to be picked on, on the weekend, so when I um, finished my second year, went to Australia, came back, began my third year, we were in the top division, having spent two years in the, in the division below, playing against your Wiggins, your Saints, your Warringtons and, and, and the likes of, of Leeds and Widness of the time and matching it with everybody as a 21-year-old. As a and, and with, and I, I will say it like this, Will, I, I've, never, I've never courted, I've never been an attention seeker, I've never courted the limelight. I just always find myself in it. I just always find myself being I like the no Mario Balotelli. Why always me? I, I find myself being the one that gets noticed in the room. It's mm. it might be my shoulders, it might it might be my appearance, it might be my voice, it might be my laugh. 
<laughs> it might, dazzling smile. It might be my teeth. Might, it might be, be pearly we, whites. We, I, didn't, I wasn't going to go back into the teeth, Barry, but you've gone there. Yeah. Yeah. You've gone there. Cause yeah, it's good. Yeah? Should we... Uh, should we move on? Oh, I'm going to yeah. leave it. No. <laughs> well, are, you, are we going to talk about different surgeries and procedures and yeah. things that were... Is that, oh. it, I won't. I won't. No, this, it's it's patted it's, me on the arm <laughs> as if to say, please Mark's, don't do it. This day's Mark is touching. You've got nothing to hide. No one's got no. anything to hide here. No. no. When so I finished my career, <laughs> when I finished my career, I had quite a lot of corrective surgery. Did you? Yeah. You, shoulders, you were telling us before knees, you came on today, your yeah. shoulders in bits, oh, you had a replacement, it's only lasted five years. I, I could tell you all day about the bits of my body that are falling But I bits. asked you, I said, would you would you have a fit body back for the for your career? And you said, absolutely not. I, I would not change a second. And I, it's the place I want to be. I've never been as happy. I do a job that I love. I mm. love it. I mm. love it. What What's not to love about still being involved in... In, in, in rugby league in, in a really important way because I get to be the, the people or part of the people that, that bring people in that mm. aren't died in the wool rugby league people and I go all over, I do bits of talks, bits of speeches and mm. uh, in business I go all over the country, up and down the country with the, with the various companies that I work for in the business world and everybody's curious. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love my life and I, I love the fact that my kids are doing well I'm in a, 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 a marriage, I won't say a happy marriage, but I'm in a marriage that's, that's 25 years old wow, and that's do we rare. Need to, do we need to pick up on I'm that? happy. I don't know whether my <laughs> missus is. The fact that I'm happy might make her unhappy. Right. Wow. But we've been together 25 years and I've not been as happy. So, so I, I count my blessings every yeah. day. Some of those blessings, Will, are pretty tough, harsh lessons. Yeah, and, and uh, we, I wanted to get into life post rugby later, but you know, you say, and what's not to like about think, being on podcasts like this? I mean, why would why would you not like being on a podcast like this, Mark? You know, imagine walking away from a podcast like this. <laughs> I or, couldn't imagine walking away imagine from that. you. Well, why would you not want to be on a podcast? I know the reason he walked away. Yeah, I can still smell John's scent on this yeah. couch here. Mm. Smell yeah. of bread like wet dog, unhappiness. Wet dog and wet, bread. Wet <laughs> wet dog. <laughs> Where's your new colleagues? We'll talk about that at Sky later on. Um, back into to the career. So you leave Wigan, you, you, you go to Leeds. Um, here's a quiz question for you, Mark. Who's the first Leeds Rhino player to win? Barry McDermott. You got it. Super League <laughs> World Club Challenge and the Challenge, Challenge Cup, Cup. First player to do it. It's a good quiz yeah. question for the pub, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows the answer now. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what pub that would be in Oldham, but yeah. You, you had Barra's some Arms, Arms, it'd be, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Pub, There's you only some, one pub. You had some Oldham. amazing years at Leeds, didn't you? Loved it, and it's still my spiritual home, and, and so many so many parts of my life that are 10 out of 10 in, in enjoyment and life lessons are surrounded by people. A Lancastrian in, in Yorkshire yeah. settling. Yeah. Mm. Being happy. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, no, no War of the Roses there, was there? Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, yeah you, Kev you, Yestin. Well, well, I mean, yeah. so I joined in 95. Yestin followed and then and then uh, Kev was shortly after that. So there was the three of us travelling over for a long time and then it was just Kev and I. So, mm. you know, what, what Kev has done, and I don't think we should get tired. I don't think we should stop talking about what Kev's done. Mm. The focus of why he's so prominent breaks my heart and mm. it, it's, you know, it's devastating to watch what's happening to him and his family. Rob Burrow, I'm talking about. Yeah. Rob, Rob and his family. But what I see is inspiring. She is absolutely amazing. Mm. So the tragedy of R Rob is only eclipsed by the people who are around him. The, the, the mum and dad, um, Jeff and Irene, are wonderful people. Mm. Lindsay and the kids, Rob's sisters, are unbelievably mentally, emotionally stronger than I'll ever be. Because mm. I'm, 
I'm not a blubber. I'm not. I'm not particularly emotional. But but all the things that are around Rob and what's going on do do upset me on a regular basis. I'll mm. go to see him, and sometimes I'm in the car, and I'm inspired and I'm lifted because he's made me laugh and he's made me smile mm. and and um, he, what he does, I'll let you into a little secret. On a Friday or a Thursday, he'll give me a little word or he'll give me a little song title that's mm. bizarre, and I've got to get it in and I've got to get it into com oh, somewhere. Dear. Yeah. And oh, uh, I know he, he'll be texting <laughs> me and he's like, he gave me Ramirez the other week. Ramirez? I didn't get it in. How can you get Ramirez, into, Ramirez? Tricky one. into Castleford against Huddersfield on a Thursday night? <laughs> Why Ramirez? Because he loves, he loves to think of me. Just say it really, really quickly as you sneeze or something. <laughs> <is it>? Ramirez. <laughs> and then other times I go to see him uh, and, and try and grab a few lads with me and we'll sit and we'll chat and try mm. and involve him with his with his little uh, eye glaze speaking box and it, it, it's it's traumatic but yeah. going back to Kev Kev's always been like that and I think did, did he hear you say it the other week he's always been somebody that's that's led from the front and mm. it's it's a, a, a characteristic that he's got now that he's sit, that the country and dare I say it, the world is seeing what we already knew, that he's selfless, he's somebody mm. that will 99% of the time put himself out of his way just just to make your life a little bit easier. Can you give us an insight into what Kev's like as a as a journey, as a training partner, to get on the M62 for all those years that people might not know, they, they see him on the telly and all that. What's, what's he like on a day-to-day basis, Kevin? Well, I think the best way to describe it is is normal, normal, and 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 I know that sounds easy, but he he, he likes a laugh. Mm. He, he, he toilet humour is his favourite humour. Um, like he's very windy. Is he? Yeah. He's very windy. It's a strange because um, what, what what we see and you got and you guys know yeah. him on a different level, but what we see particularly around everything he's been doing for Rob, yeah. that there is a there's a a sort of an outward seriousness yeah. obviously because yeah. of the situation you don't want to give anybody anything yeah we don't see him. we don't yeah. see that other side to him do yeah. we we see that we see the hero and the man who's wearing a cape who hasn't got a cape yeah. on but we don't see the no the, the humor well, and both the... both of them are intensely private people both mm. of them but rob more than kev have, have opened themselves up to to the public to let let everybody in and see mm. particularly rob to see what he's showing mm. You know, it's it's tough to watch a lot of the stuff, and, yeah. and he's putting it out there for everyone to see. And then, in in regards to Kev, he's just he's just a windy he's just lad. lad. He's a he's a he's a windy he's a windy giggler. Yeah, because because yeah. you you obviously had ten years at Leeds, and yeah. it was you were there for the beginning of the golden generation, yeah. and we've had loads of those guys on yeah. on this podcast, but. Every every former Rhinos player we have on talks about this brotherhood and everything yeah. that was just instilled there. What, what what was the ingredients for that? Loyalty, um, sacrifice, commitment, um, and a passion. And, and you know, we talk about the club. I'll, I'll put my impartiality to one side now. We talk about the club, and I'm still passionate about the club. I'm still on the ex players committee, and and I was saying before, if the bat sign goes out nobody has to say, you know, mm. we just let each other know that the bat signs out and we'll all do all we can for whoever. You know, in, in the last few years, it's it's all been about Rob, but I just think it's a commitment to, to one another and the strongest bonds, you'll, you'll know this, Flan, the strongest bonds that you've got 
are with the ones that are through that are there through the tough times. Sometimes that's through the absolute dregs and the you know the the time you got relegated or whatever. Some of those some of those real low moments. But the strongest bonds I've got are, are the ones that I've got with the lads that I've won trophies with, mm. and we've gone through a campaign or we've gone through a cup run. But that bit of adversity, yeah, of course, the, it you does. have to have the. I don't, yeah. Do you do you have to have the success to have that brotherhood? You know, it's not. It's not necessarily the you know the most important part, but most of the time it's the glue that bonds you together. Mm. It's the glue that bonds you together because you've got a ring or a medal or a or a memory or, or, or an not experience. A ring if you mark, if Mark's had his. I've heard, yeah. Listen, I could, uh, there's a lad on Fit Nils selling <laughs> one that? from 2014. 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, to it? to him from yeah. yeah, it's only little though. Yeah. I don't know who owned it. <laughs> little gold thing. Must have had really little hands. Yeah, that's been melted down into some earring <laughs> or something now, hasn't it? So that signet ring, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can have that one if you want. No if it'll sort heal any pain, go on, Barry. Sorry, we interrupt. Yeah, and the, the the bonds are strong, and the club. As I say, I still work with the uh, ex players committee. We put mm. lots of functions on. We keep communication strong. And what happens is, you come out of the game, and I'm lucky because I spent ten years with one club, so my link with that club was strong. It was the place I finished at. Although I had a little spell with witness with with Tez. Um, it, it was always the place that I belonged to, if if you know what I mean. So mm. I, I, I played for 10, I worked for them for a further 10, so I, therefore I belong with them. People who've got three or four clubs don't really have a belonging to either. So then I think the game has a responsibility to look after them and the mm. game has a responsibility to give them somewhere where they go when, when the knees start hurting or when their hips are going bad and, and they don't know, because believe it or not, they don't. some players don't know where to start with physios and, mm. and masseurs and stuff like that because there's a lot of noise and, and quite right too. We, we've got to look after everybody's mental state and you know the, the, um, the brain trauma that... that the, the rugby league is suddenly getting more information on, but but bodies are important as well, and bodies will fall to bits. And I feel like if there was a if there was a bigger focus on aftercare, mental, physical, and emotional, all three as equal, I think I think mm. you'd get less. I'm I'm not. I have to be careful how I say this. I'm I'm not in favour with. I've come out of the game. My body's wrecked, so it's their fault. Mm. It's nobody else's fault except the player. I take responsibility for the mess that my body is in. I wouldn't change a thing, but I have a, a, a lot of good memories. I have a series of good events, good memories. Not mm. everybody's fortunate to win things and, and be part of, you know, part of a, a club for a long period of time. I accept that. But I think if the game could afford it and put just as much into those three Is that areas. the key point? It's resource. Because, I mean, look, you look yeah. at the football and you look at the Premier League and I know yeah. there's going to be people shouting all sorts of things at their phones and radios and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, in football, they're, they're told because they're, yeah. they're like resources and they're more asset-based. Yeah. But like it should you're, be beyond the playing. sport. It but should be beyond the like, RFL. Barry, your shoulder's league. fucked. You're not playing yeah. for three months. It should be beyond. Mm. This is aftercare I'm talking about. Not not during my career because no, no man, no beast would have stopped me mm. if I could have got out on the field. I did do but after, when when people are starting to struggle with with ankles and knees and back and neck and all that mm. stuff that, that that just degenerates because our time on this earth is accelerated. Somebody said it's accelerated by twenty years when mm. you play a sport like mm. ours. So it's like being so, in various car crashes yeah, over the years. All, isn't it? All, you know, all all those things are true. So it, it should be beyond the RFL and it should be beyond Super League. It should be something. That it, that, that I, can, I can see it already. The, the, yeah. the Barry McDermott yoga 
sessions in Ibiza or something, you know, like some sort of retreat. I like a bit of yoga, Will. Yeah, yeah? do you like I Ibiza like a bit as of hot well? yoga. Do you like Ibiza as well? Uh, not not been back for, in the day. It, it was my first lads' holiday. Was it? Was it? Did you get arrested yeah. there as well? Nope. No, no I was. No I, gas I, I behaved abroad. <laughs> they don't mess about them Spanish <laughs> police, do they? Well, is it Lagardi? <laughs> They're ruthless, aren't they? Um, when you look at your career, also Barry, like Great Britain tours, England, Ireland, controversial, um, Lancashire, but particularly those those Great Britain. I think you had nine years playing for Great Britain. Yeah. You, you, there's got to be numerous stories which have come out on the after dinner circuit. What's the best one? Well, you'd have to buy a ticket at one of the after dinner <laughs> events or hey, buy Mark, the book. Mark, you or buy the Have you been an agent for Barry as well on his after dinner? No, I did a bit so. of uh, agency stuff for, yeah. for Moz, though. Sold a few tickets. Very We've more. all got Moz dinners, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. Very good speaker, actually, Moz. Very yeah. good. Very yeah. good. Um, Great Britain, always a pleasure, an honour, um, not necessarily enjoyable. Always, always felt like most lads that have played for Great Britain, God, we were all so close. 94 was, I think, the firstest, sorry, the closest time I got to, to an Ashes win, and it was mm. the first one. Won the first, lost the second, got, you know, got well, well and truly beaten in the third and, and did 94, 2-1 and 2-3. 2-3, 2003 Ashes series. I'm sure if you talk to anybody, and I, and I know you've had Moz on, but it was the, it was the, Test series that Moz got sent off after 11 yeah. seconds. Oh, yeah. We lost every game by two to four points and we lost every game in the last five minutes. Mm. Um, that team for Great Britain was brilliant, though. The pack we've always was, had good players. Yeah, but I think, I, I think that, that period of the early 2000s was uh, a bit of a pinnacle for Great Britain in the last 30, 40 years. Uh, and they just had, we had a pack that was far superior to Australia and New Zealand, in my opinion. And they just probably had a couple of generational great players yeah. that a Lockyer or a Johns would, would win the game later. Yeah. Darren Lockyer, I think he's the best Australian player. Not because he's the best individual. I think he was the best player on the biggest moments. He was the best clutch player. What, whatever was going on mm -hmm. in any of those Australian matches, when it come the crucial time to get that win, he was there or thereabouts nearly every yeah. time. We've mentioned Adrian Morley loads and obviously we've had him on this series. We waited a long time to get him um, and he talked to me about that 11 second red card in mm. quite <laughs> big detail. How and the, the red mist was building all week <laughs> up until that point. And he talked about how Barry inspired him to be like an intimidator figure. Yeah. Do you remember that what he said? Yeah, yeah. He packed down with you playing for Leeds and you kind of snarled at an opposition player yeah, and he winced and Moz looked at you and thought, I want a bit of that. Did you encourage nice each other? Were you, like, that. I like, can't. like the Mitchell brothers. You what, sort of... Did you used to snarl much? Every week. Every when week. I, well, listen, when I joined the game, it was every week. It was on your, your 10, I'm 10, let's go. And you're the big lad, I'm the big lad, let's go. Me, the area that I played in, it was always get your retaliation in first. If you didn't, and the game Even now... Even after 11 seconds? <laughs> a bit earlier, isn't I, it? I would have left Moz on as well. Ganson <laughs> was, was, I think, you know, hasty. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, but, but the the era that I joined, which was 1991, it was it was all about physicality. It was all about that gladiatorial. I'm going to get one over on you, and it's it's completely different now. So back then, it was you you don't take a shot and mm. take it on the chin without throwing one back, because then you're a shit house, and everyone's everyone can pile in, and everyone would pile in. Yeah. Now it's about how much of that you can absorb and keep on with your job, keep straight on the tracks, and. Um, I, I liked my era. I'm, I'm glad I played my era. I don't think I would enjoy playing this era. That's not to say that, you know, when people ask you, 
you know, what would you be like now? Because they do, they ask me, you won't last two minutes. I'd say, I'm, I'd do what I had to do because you'll have to p please one bloke and that's the one that, so that you'd picks adapt the team. To, of course, yeah, the, yeah. The, the players that, that last, and I, I, I did 17 seasons, so the game from start to finish was, mm. was completely different, yeah. completely different. So I was lucky to be involved in the era that I was. The, the ones that, that were just at the back end when I was a young firebrand didn't, didn't really want nothing yeah. to do with me because I was just really keen to make an impression, make an impact. And whoever was the biggest on the team sheet, I'm, I was like, yeah. It suited your it. game though. Yeah. It suited you down to a T. Yeah. And I think, uh, Will's probably going to mention it, the rivalry you had with Stuart Fielding mm. was absolute box office. Every time you played against Bradford, everyone going to that ground would know that the, it'd be on between you two at some point. It probably put two or 3,000 on the gate probably boosted TV ratings because it was it was the, the, the matchup of all matchups in the alpha male sport of rugby league. And how was it, how, why Stu and how did it come about and what was it like being in that rivalry with such such a big imposing figure like Stuart Fielding? Well, I'd answer the first question, uh, the last question first. Absolutely amazing. Was amazing, it? I loved it because I knew we weren't going to back down. Yeah. And I knew I could, I'd, nine times out of 10, I'd come out on the right side because Stu were famous for cocking it, but not really throwing it. Um, so I knew, and I'd, I'd look hard as nails, because I'd keep my hands down by my side, I'd be nose to nose with him and not, he'd be he'd be having to be held back, and I knew he weren't going to throw hold it. Hold me back, hold me back. Yeah, but um, Stu Fielding was, was a great player, and, and at times, and particularly the back end of 2007, 8, 9, was one of the best forwards in the world, but at that, that, sort of 22, 23-year-old uh, Stuart Field and playing against me at 20, 28, 29. I just, I just, I knew I had him up there. Yeah. So, so I loved it. Um, I had to be careful. Um, th th there was only one time really I ever lost my marbles with him and it was the time I got red carded. That odds? It was at Valley Parade and, I, and I've gone out the line as I did all the time, just get up on him quick, throw myself in front of him. I've hit him, he's curled up, you know, trying to protect himself. I've, I've hit his forearms, I've not hit him round the chops. I, I hit him round the chops plenty of times, but not on that occasion. And he threw the ball down. And I, in fear of my life, just just piled in, just piled in. <laughs> but I'd had, you know, I'd had, I'd had enough of, of the, I'm going to throw it, I'm going to throw it, I'm going to throw How it. How much did yeah, thr you thrive off that battle with him then? Even kind of, you it brought know, out the best in me. And I yeah. think, you know, if, if, if he's honest, you, you get a different story from Stu. And, I'm, you know, we, we've had many a conversation since. And I, and Are you I, mates off the pitch? Were, were uh, you? No, were, no. no, we're not mates. We're, we're civil, we're cordial. But um, he hasn't got the same recollections that I have. Oh, really? Yeah. Go on, what does he, yeah, how well, does he, he remember He it? talks about him being a young player up and coming player and and me being a, a wily old forward that took advantage of him. I look at it, you know, he, he was playing open edge. He had the opportunity. He, he, he was a... He was big enough, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was big enough. He's bigger than me. Yeah. He did, was did, bigger did than me. If anyone was the bully, yeah. it's probably Stuart. Yeah, well, did, did he, you said he just crossed it and never threw it. Did he, did he want him to, to batter you once? Would that have opened yeah, up a whole new dimension? because it would have made it easier for me then to pile in after you've, after you've done that a few times. Mm. People are then, you know... People then, I, th I think back then, expecting you to throw it. Yeah. It's no good me throwing it first every time because I, I then did look like a bully. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because we talked about this with Moz as well, but it, Mark's right, it, 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 it was 
box office, yeah. right? And and it put bums on seats. And I know we don't want the game to just be about that, but we it seems like we do miss that side of it. Yeah. We, you know, we, even if it's right, not the punching and the throwing, the punches, whatever. But it's we we miss those rivalries, those one on one head to heads. You don't get it as much now, right? No, I, I enjoy watching a, a good dueling. Enjoy watching a good battle. Like I say, I love my job. I'll, I'll, I've, not, I've not, as we record this, we're early part of the week. It's magic at weekend, so I've got a lot of games to watch, a lot mm. of analysis, a lot of notes to make because we've got all, all the teams playing all at once. So I love analysing and forensically getting into players and teams and habits and, and patterns of play and stuff like that. And I've always been like that with the game. I've always loved that, but... but I think my, my strength, going back to my early part of my career, was my aggression and my determination, mm. and that that was that one inch away from that line was where I absolutely loved it. But you, you needed that edge, a bit like Moz, right? Yeah. Because because I remember Adrian came on and he said that you know he obviously had to adapt later on, and everyone thought he was a battering ram and just this aggressive sort of figure. But he 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 said he had a pass in him, and he changed his game, and he had adapted other sides of it. Am I am I, am I right in saying I think I read somewhere that? You had voices in your head, you know, saying, hit him, hit him, hit him, before, before Still have them voices now, yeah. Will. <laughs> Still have them voices now. There was a ground that I was at, um, and we usually take the, the sort of back route. We go up a working lift, mm. get out, we go through the kitchens, make our way to the gantry or the, um, the uh, studio, and as we're going through the kitchens, this bloke, and he's, you know, he'd be 40, this bloke, mm. biggish lad, he's going, no, can't come through here, you'll have to go back, you'll have to go out, you'll have to go around. I went, I'm literally going in that door there, and there was two people with us. Mm. I'm literally going in that door there. He said, you're not coming through. I've told him downstairs not to let you up, so he's having a bollocking, and you're not coming through. And I had like a three-second conversation with myself. <laughs> and right, turned around and walked off. And What was the conversation? Hit him, don't hit yeah. him. Hit him, don't well, hit him. Hit him, don't hit him. Jonesy was with me, Jamie Jones Buchanan. And, and Jonesy and I played together when Jonesy was young and I was at the back end and, and all that stuff. And I've known Jonesy a long, long time. And he went, it's real growth for you, that Barry, isn't it? <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. But I still feel like a coward. I still feel like I should have just barged past him and just gone, I'm doing what did I want. Make, did it make you angry all day? It made me. It spoiled, it spoiled about half an hour of me night. And I, yeah. you know, I, I shook it off because maturity is, is you know, it's... It's it's a gift in a way, and when you're younger, people say it takes a bigger man to walk away. I used to think, no, it takes yeah. a big man to knock somebody on their ass. <laughs> well, you, I you, like it, you and I'm not too bad at it. You said early on, you know, you wanted to go in the army because you wanted to fight, yeah. you know, and, and and you and you thrived on that side of the game, the reputation that you built. And Moz was the same, right? He said he enjoyed that. He enjoyed that from the crowd, the anticipation that yeah. you, they never. Well, they said they never knew. They knew what was going to come in a game, and and. Um, you know, you, you had to have that side to your game, but you've also had to learn to control it, right? Controlled aggression was something I, tr I tried to master and it, I didn't get it until the back end. And Moz, me and Moz are really good mates and we talk about it a lot. The, the, the sweet spot is when you're in those late 20s, early 30s and you don't have to do anything because nobody's rattling your cage. Nobody mm. wants to get on the wrong side. So you don't really... Moz talks about a snarl. It's it's not even a snarl at the back end because you, you nobody really bothers with you. Um, but aggression. You tell me. You. I'm going to ask you two the, the the question about the aggression and the physicality. Where do you mm. think we should stop in terms of what we get rid of, and where do you think we've gone past the point where we probably need to go a bit more? For I'll start I, with you, Flam. I mm. think they need to. If there's a scrap in a game, they need to punish it, but not too 
harshly or severely because I think it does. When you say scrap, are you, are you saying a brawl or are you saying a one-on-one one -on -one like on they one. do in, in hockey? One-on-one. -on -one. Um, I think if, yeah. Because it's usually one-on-one. Hockey one would be on great, one. it? Just let them fight on the, yeah. <laughs> fight the It's circle. usually one-on-one-ish. And I think, yeah, just smaller punishments because they need to take some action towards violence in the game. But it does take away some of the beauty of it and yeah. the confrontational aspects of the game. And I think when you look to state of origin, all the highlights are, are big fights. And that was quite extreme in, in the day when it was big brawls. But I do think it, it does take the gladiatorial aspect out of rugby league. And it doesn't need to be there in, in some essence. We've lost a little bit, haven't we? That's, yeah. that's, it feels like we, I say we, you know, I'm, I'm an outsider on this, but it, rugby league needs to embrace it, but not rely on it, right? Yeah. There has to be a balance. And, it, and, and, the, and the balance is too far the other it, way, is it not no. now? I don't think we've ever relied on it. I think it was always... I, mean, I, I, I say that more in terms of, in terms of you know, people outside of the M62 circle yeah. and Southerners and whatever, and people just think it's that game, oh, let them fight, whatever, and it's not, because it's, there's so much more to the game. But I, and I say that not relying on the stereotype of it, yeah. but embracing it more than, more than you do now. Physicality, gladiatorial confrontation is only a, is only a small part. Mm. The skill, the speed, the athleticism, the, the rugby intellect that players play with. And they, mm. they always have, but you know, players and teams are of their time. But I watch the games now and I marvel the young, talented, fit, agile, and they're just as tough. And mm. what we what we indirectly have encouraged is is the thing that I hate in football. Correct. Diving. Is the um, win at all costs. Yeah. Simulation, shithousery is yeah. is the technical term yeah. for it. If you, if you, I remember playing, I'd just left Saddleworth, gone to Water Red. I played in some poxy semi-final at Saddleworth Ranges and I, I did something I Correct. never did ever again. I sort of got a bit of a punch on me on my chin, went down like a sack of spuds and, mm. a, and a man who's very important to me and, and I know you know him, Dennis Maders, said to me, if I ever see you do that again, Barry, I will never speak to you. Mm. You are better than that and the game is more important than your individual mm. victory yeah, on what, that day. What I would say is in football, and I completely agree with you, but in football, the rules have allowed yes. that to happen, right? And yeah. it encouraged coaches, it encourages, obviously, because it's win at all costs, it encourages coaches in a penalty situation. Well, I don't want it. my game to be like no, that. Of course, I don't want to be part of that. And, rules, I, and I don't think we should, we should be accelerating down because we think that football is the, is the, the, the mecca that, every sport should get to. We are who we are and we should embrace who we are. There, there are, and, and we, we're mates with Scalzi. Scalzi loves rugby league because mm. it's, 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 it's got a, a, a thread going through it that's all about, you know, integrity and, mm. and stand up. If you're not injured, if you're not, you know, if you're not, if you are able to get up, then, then get up. And, and Moz played for Bradford in, in 2005 when he stole a grand final ring off Andy, off Andy Lynch. Um, and Moz and I didn't need to say to him, we only played against each other twice. Mm. One, he was playing for England, I was playing for Ireland. The other one was Bradford against Leeds in that last game. And I had to put myself over him because Moz was a fantastic player. Mm. So I had to let him know that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a brick wall in front of him. And I may just have glanced up just a little bit. Two old stags at the yeah. stage, isn't it? Yeah, I may just have glanced up a little bit. Accidentally on purpose. Accidentally on purpose. And yes, didn't <laughs> He's, he's tapping Moz on, on the floor like that. Moz, Moz, get up, get up. Moz is sort of, you know, a bit, bit, bit weary, bit, you know, bit confused for a second or so. And, and Moz, and yes, and saying, Moz, get up. It's Barry, it's Barry. And Moz, to his credit, got up because 
Moz didn't want me to fall foul of the referee, mm. which is what makes him one of my brothers. But also, what he wanted to do is next time I got the ball, he wanted to return the favour, yeah. which he did do. Yeah, yeah. He usually did, didn't he? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, while we're on that, then, because you know you're you've always been a big advocate for the game, and you know you don't whinge and moan about the game, or you know you're a great advert for it when you're on Sky as well, Barry. But what infuriates you? What would you change? And and in in the way that you've seen it change over the last twenty years? Uh, that's a good question, and and it deserves a good answer. What I don't want to do is rubbish the game now. Mm. I just don't want to see us get any further. There are a couple of things, and and what we do is is we adapt and we change and we evolve. But our biggest strength is sometimes our weakness because we don't give things enough time to bed in. We don't have we don't have that settling period with particularly with rules. We're forever changing the bloody rules. I wish wish we'd stick to them and and put them in put them in not so much in stone we, when we need to tinker with them tinker with them but yeah. don't fashionably change them every two minutes because we think it might make the game quicker or faster or more exciting it's the best sport in the world will i don't care football rugby union you can you can keep them all it's the best sport in the world i watch rugby union uh, i like mma i like boxing i like all that all those combat sports basically because i like to watch a bit of blood yeah. and i like i like to watch uh, that element of competition but rugby league for me is the best sport in the world we don't maximize its potential but sometimes the people that are trying to drive it forward mm. are people that are holding it back mm. and, and without singling people out we've got to get out of this club centric thought thoughts and and passionate people who, who want to see their clubs thrive we've got to put everything all in the same bucket and just try and, and just try and mix it with the big boys. Yeah, be ourselves is the main thing I'm saying. Yeah, when you had to hang up your boots after one last dance at Woodness in 2006, was was it easy to think about life after rugby? Did you have, you had plans? Because I mean, you're doing everything and anything under the sun, aren't you? Things that inspire you on a daily basis. I came I came into the game as a part time player, so I always had more than one job, and I always understood that there's there's you know there's there's a good ten hours of, of productivity within any day, and, and, and weekends are, are included in that. So you can you can always be busy doing something. When I came out of the game in in two thousand and five, my shoulders were knackered. I needed two reconstructions. It was sort of a, a joint conversation. I wasn't I wasn't getting on with the coach. It wasn't enjoyable anymore. So so I didn't want to leave and go somewhere else. I took up the job that was offered to me within the system at Leeds. Mm. But the two props that were playing at Witness had both got injured. Steve McCormack, excuse me, who now works for Rugby League Cares, but was coaching Witness at the time, and Tez O'Connor sat me down and said, why not come and play with us? I played a game for Oldham against Leeds. So my testimonial match was Leeds against Oldham in 2005 at Headingley. Mm -hmm. As a thank you, Leeds Rhinos, took a team to to uh, uh, the football ground at the time, Boundary Park, and John Pendlebury, who was the coach at the time, said, oh, do you fancy, because I was promoting it for the for the town's team, and he said, do you fancy like a bit of a cameo? And I said, oh, I said, I don't fancy a cameo. I said, but if I'm going to play, I'll play. I said, I, kn I know all these, and I'm only I'm only sort of three or four months off, off playing. I, my shoulders are nearly mended now anyway, and I played, loved it, enjoyed it, then went and played that, that season at Witness. But the 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 ability to to stay in the game the the gift that Leeds gave me to stay in the game i think helped me a little bit mm. 
Um, it helped me because I was still connected to the club and, and I was going to talk about the ex-players and sometimes they get disenfranchised with the game because they think that nobody loves them, nobody cares about them because they've been at four different clubs. Nobody invites them to games. Well, I think if you keep going to games, you keep turning up, you volunteer and you give and offer your services, you're more, you're more likely to stay in the system. And I see what, what my role is with, with my club is, is making sure that everybody's communicating, making sure everybody's you know, in full knowledge of what's going on. And, and I, I'm in various WhatsApp groups with, with rugby lags and they, you know, some of them are ruthless, aren't they? Some of them are ruthless and banter and, and all kinds of different things that aren't for public com consumption. But most of them, it's about well done and it's about, you know, my son's done this and putting pictures of graduations and stuff like that. And I think mm. that's where we should and could be better keeping those ex-players and former players involved in the game and, and using the skills because just because they're too old to play and they don't desire to be in coaching doesn't mean they should be lost to the game. Yeah. And you get involved in so much, don't you? I mean, you can see the Terry Flanagan's in him, can't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, you know, you've, a lot of charitable work. Obviously, you talked about the stuff you've been doing with Rob. Borough 7, no, no longer, yeah. is it? Bor Borough no, 7? it's uh, BB Borough now. There's a, you got another there's horse? A, there's a second one now, BB Borough. Leg injury, was it? Yeah, a couple of injuries. Uh, he was a jumper, so it's the most stress stressful experience yeah. going watching those horses because the weight of, of everybody's well wishes and, and expectation is, is, is hard and... Mm. Every time I've gone, I've got Rob at the side of me, I've got his family, and we all want the horse to do well, but, mm. you know, there's literally thousands of people that get involved in, in the... It's the good racing core that run it now. Beep Beep Burrow is the horse that should be running. I, I'm not sure of its next run. It run a couple of weeks ago. So it's a good syndicate of people involved, Yeah, again, yeah. the more the merrier. It's 59 quid. You, you, yeah. you join the racing club, you become part of the Rob Burrow Racing Club. There's a bit of a change in focus on it now, but basically the money's going towards Rob. It's going towards the Rob mm. Burrow MND Centre and the MND um, the MND Association charity as well. So it's it's a non-profit organisation that, that's doing good things that, that hopefully just is a bit different than a raffle or a, or a sportsman's dinner. We all love listening to you, watching you on, on Sky Sports. Um, apart from going to grounds and wanting to knock out someone in the catering staff when they say you can't go in the lift up to the gantry, how much do you love, love that it. side of it? Yeah, that? I love it. I feel very fortunate. Um, what, what, again, what, what's not to love? I'm, I'm, I'm around people who I identify with. I, I'm around people who, who I want to help them and Flan's been a mentor, physically sat down and mentored me, but also from a farm, I've looked at him and, and I, I look at how successful he is as a father, as a friend, as somebody that helps the amateur club, um, Saddleworth Rangers, and, and the time he puts back into people. And we have a, 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 a uh, what do they call them? Madlow, what's it part it's of? A, it's called an onside youth zone. Youth zone, so it's, yeah. So, so it's, it's like a, a multi-million pound youth centre in Oldham and there's probably a 20 in the UK that yeah. my dad's involved with yeah. in Oldham. A youth zone where, where kids of, of, you know, modest to low earning families can can go for, I I'm not sure what they pay. 50p. Right? 50p, they go in, mm. they can climb walls, they can play with basketball. You know, they've just got somewhere to go that doesn't involve knives and, and selling drugs, which is some of the pitfalls that are around some of those cit mm. cities and towns. And, and ours is is one of those. So so I look, at, I look at people like Flan and think, I've got more time, I've got more energy to give and I'm, mm. and I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I love what I do. 
I want to be involved in it for as long as that feeling and that desire is there. But mm. it, I suspect it's a bit like playing. When you're playing well and and when you're you know when you're contributing every single week, you get you pick yourself in the team and yeah. and the point where you're not you're not quite giving of your best because your focus is elsewhere. I think you're the first one to know that and you and I'll make that decision. But I, I certainly don't feel that the modern game is something that I can't identify with. I, I love it. Yeah, I appreciate you've got to be careful with what you say. And John had to, God rest his soul, uh, Mark, he's gone, um, about Sky. Uh, and we'll get on to John in a second, maybe. But how do we maximise television coverage of rugby league in this country. I know Channel 4 has been a bit of a game changer and has maybe made Sky perk up their game a little bit. But, you know, you've been with Sky for, for so long. You know, where, where are the sort of pitfalls of the coverage and, and where can it go as they try and expand and grow with IMG involved and everything? I think there's a, there's a, a triangle of, of sort of finger pointing within our game and the clubs will point at the broadcaster and they'll point at the governing body and say, you don't promote our game. And then the governing body will point at the broadcaster and they'll point at the clubs and the players and say, you don't promote yourselves enough and vice mm. versa. The broadcasters will all say, we need more access to your players and we need the clubs to sell the games to make sure it looks great on TV. We've just got to all do a little bit more. We don't have to do a lot of things differently. We just have to put more effort into it. We have to put more finance into it. How clubs, teams, players put finance into it, I don't know. The, the advent of social media has meant that you can get to know somebody. How many, how many people do we follow on Instagram or Twitter and you feel like you know them mm. because you watch what they're doing in the afternoon, you watch what they're doing in, in, you know, in, in sportsman's terms, you watch what they're doing in and outside the, the training environment. So mm. you get to know them on a, on a deeper level. I wish clubs would be more creative with what they give players, but... For every media manager that wants player A to be expressive and show his personality, you've got a coach saying, no, I need him back in the pack. Mm. I need him over here. He needs to wind his neck in and, and not put his head above the parapet. We, of course, we need more characters. But to be a character, you've got to be doing it on the field and off. What do you think to the IMG kind of restructuring of the game with criteria for being in Super League? Yeah, I don't think you'll find anybody not in favour of IMG because it's it's giving a fresh pair of eyes, a fresh opinion, hopefully a a, a, a network and a, and a black book of people that that aren't going to be Fred and June's fish and chip shop that are on the front of of uh, rugby league teams. It's going to get some of those blue chip conversations. It's it's up to the game will always deliver. The players will always deliver. For every six games that are over a Super League weekend, and I'll just talk about Super League, not just not not the division below, but it's not confined to to just Super League. But take those six games, you'll get two fantastic games, two golden points last weekend. They were unbelievable games, unbelievable. And those games, those two games, will be in the six somewhere. But to pick them and broadcast them is like rolling a six, isn't it? It's it's mm. it's it's a lottery. So so two great games, two games that were okay. You know, one game that you forget about and then, you, you know, you might get a shock. You might get the odd one that's a shock and you, you, you're bored halfway through it. But to pick the two that are the right ones is a skill and an art and 
you know, we had two crackers, two absolutely wonderful games that anybody, I defy anybody that hasn't watched our game to watch those two games mm. and not think, I want another look at that this. That was Saints-Leeds in Wigan Hulk KR. Yeah. I think that's the thing though, isn't it? It's, is it not slow expansion? Because you don't want to, you know, you being from Sky in this sense and the guys from Channel 4, you don't want to turn your back on a loyal audience that's been there and expects and enjoys what it's had for the last 20, 30 years, but it still has to grow somehow, right? You have to give people variety and that's the, that's the, it, you know, that's the attitude certainly I've got at the minute. We've got lots of people within the Sky team. We've then got others that cross over and go into to BBC, Channel 4, Viaplay, um, Our League, all those different voices, mm. different opinions. It's great because if 50%, Eddie said this to me at the beginning, Eddie mm. Emmons. Uh, Eddie Emmons and, and Steve-O couldn't have been any better for me in, in, in my infancy. And I'm, I'm always learning. I'm still learning every day. Um, but, but Eddie said, if 50% like you and 50% don't, you're doing well. Because mm. at, at, at least there's 50%. And, and that fluctuates depending on how much exposure. It's nothing to do with what you say. It's nothing to do with, you know, how much quality and content and, you know, how much um, of an impact that that statement that you make. Mm. It's just, if you're on every week, people just get bored here and they get I've heard that he said that before what, he's used what, that what expression what are John Wilkins percentages 50, he's on all the time he's omnipresent do you think it's laugh. more sort of 60, By 70 Jesus he's omnipresent he's smelling a wet dog the... and bread have you, have you embraced him at Sky Sports I, I, I think he's great and I, I think his opinions um, are strong I think his communications Gordon yeah, he's been he's been good I think he, this is his second year isn't it mm -hmm. yeah. I think this is it, his second year it's really important that you have an opinion when you're on, yeah. on Sky because if if you don't you're not really telling the, the truth story and giving mm. you your true true thoughts and stuff so I think Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher do it really well on Sky don't they, they say exactly what they're thinking and if the public like it or don't like it it doesn't you've really matter. You've got to be like that. You've got it's to up to them and, and mm. I'll, I'll always be honest mm. and I, I'm, if I say something that criticises a player individually, I'll, I, next time I see that player I'll go up to him and I'll say and I'll give an explanation of why mm. But I've got to say, I've got to call it as, it as I see it, because otherwise people, people, you know, can see right through that. And that's I what have, you're being paid to do, yeah, isn't it? I have an affiliation to a team because I spent 20 years there. Mm. Um, all those great accolades, you know, all, all you know, they, the, the, the affection that they've got for me and the loyalty that they've got for me is, is massive. And I never underestimate that. But if they're not playing well, I'm the first to say it. If an individual within that team is not playing well, and mm. I can't win really, because if I enjoy the fact that they're winning, then I'm biased. If I criticise them when they're losing, and, and the weekend of the run, a woman who I've known for 25 years, she went, yeah, I've got a bone to pick with you. She said, you were terrible, you on Friday night, and it was the week that Leeds beat Wigan at Leeds in the, in the league. They were awful first half, and it was a crazy game in the second, and, mm. and, and Leeds won. And she said, yeah. I said, yeah, but they were shit in the first half. <laughs> yeah, but where's your loyalty? I said, I've got to do my job, and my loyalty is unquestionable. Yeah. But if they are losing, they are losing. If yeah. they're not playing well, they're not playing well. Hopefully, I'll try and give you some context behind that. You were better in the second half because yeah. they were winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and also, when you think of commentary, you know, you guys are on far more than, than Brian and anyone in the punditry team because, you, you know, they've got 15 minutes before, 10 minutes at halftime, 50 minutes at the end. You know, you're 80 minutes solid. You're going to say something which is going to upset someone at yeah. some stage, right? I'm a, I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades. I can do everything. Um, my, my happy place is commentary mm. because I can get... I can get right into a game and I ride that wave. I enjoy a... a, a 
a, a tackle bust and a, and a long, uh, a long uh, break and, and a, big, a lawyer love flip a big pass. Shot. I love a big shot, and that's like mm. Tourette's to me. And it's shot, 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 shot. Test. shot you see that shot? shot. No. shot. No. It's a good like, shot, Baz. It's it's like Tourette's, but. Um, <laughs> I can get right into a game and I think see it, say it is is where I'm good. Mm. Um, that doesn't always mean I don't make mistakes and I don't always um, say things that I shouldn't, but I'm hopefully, I've not been sacked yet, so I've not said anything that I can't claw <laughs> my way out of. I love it. I mean, look, in terms of John, we taught him everything he knew, Mark, he sort of just left us in the, in the dust. Didn't he? How do you yeah. think he's doing? Let me ask you two. Well, no, no, let me ask you, because last time I saw you, and I've, we've seen each other a few times at games and so on, and I remember back in the day, you used to say to me, I can't even remember if I said this on air at the beginning, Mark, or when it was off, I hope it was when we were off it. But uh, Barry came up to me and said, oh, I love, love the podcast, love it, love it, love it. He hasn't said that for a few years, and he certainly hasn't said it since John left. So do you think it's worse or better without John? Now? What I love is I love... Um, stories. I love to, to to peel the layers back, and I don't necessarily think that that it's about in-depth interviews. It's about knowing people on a on a different level. I, I love what you lads do. I love that. I was saying to you, I walk I walk my dog at, at least an hour every day. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll run a couple of times a week. Put a podcast on. I, I think Jammer's podcast is great. Brilliant. I think this one's great. Um, Jenna, John, John, Jenna, John, John, Jenna, which sounds better, Jenna and John, John, John and Jenna I think sounds. Je better. Jenna's the boss, don't worry yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the mid-season transfer. Should we um, be giving publicity mark to John and Jenna? I don't know. We? We've done it now anyway. Jenna and yeah, Jenna and John. Him, Jenna, Jenna. him. Yeah. yeah. So like the BBC one. I, I, I gather good, my yeah. information off everybody because everyone. I think, and I've heard this expression used. You, you've You've got to be open. You've got to adapt. We talked about it in terms of playing. Mm. What keeps players in the game and gives them longevity? And you, you can mention Moz. You can remember, uh, sorry, mention Jamie Peacock. You mm. can mention uh, somebody like Thomas Luluai. It's not how good you are. It's not how skillful, how fit, how strong, how fast. It's how adaptable you are. So adaptability is is the key component for me to doing my job. Listen to everybody. This is what I think. This is what I believe. You mm. convince me that I'm wrong. More often than not, I come back to the point that I started with, but I'm I'm fully embrace that other people's opinion because that's what our game is about. It's about opinions, isn't it? And it's about mm. sharing what we what we are passionate about because we're all passionate about sport. We're all passionate about rugby. We all yeah. we all want to see it do well. We're not sure how to get it forward. But going back to your IMG question, IMG. I've got the experience on taking games to another level. So I've met with a few of the representatives and they've asked me questions. I've asked them questions. I'm happy with what I hear. Not all that stuff gets in the public domain because you've got to respect privacy a lot of the time. Mm. A lot of this job, you'll, you'll know you're more than me. Well, you, you know mm. stuff, don't you? You can't always... You can't always say it. You can't always name names. You can't always betray confidences. You've got to give them something, haven't you? You've got mm. to people give the people at home listening. You've got to give them something. So, mm. so that's that's another skill and another art. Giving them everything without without giving them something without giving them everything. I, I just wish I was as motivated as Barry McDermott. I mean, he he, put, he puts Mr. Motivator in a, in the corner, doesn't he? In the, on the naughty step. Do, do, do it, you have it'd be quite an image actually seeing Barry in a leotard. Yeah, <laughs> just to finish. Do you, I mean, do, do you have those days where, you know, because you, so, you are so passionate about everything and you're, you're on a high. And I think you said, as we were walking from the car park to here at 51, you've never been happier. You've never been in a better place in your life. And that's what life should be about, right? Yeah. But do you have days where you just think, I'm going to go into a basement and throw axes at pictures of puppies and I just yeah. want to sit in a dark cupboard and drink vodka? Or? 
much like I was as a player, nobody needs to tell me when I've had a bad game. Nobody needs to tell me when I've missed a tackle or dropped a ball. There was a couple of weeks ago, I made two mistakes on two games, one after another. And it's only because I'm in the moment and I'm, and I'm like, and it's right at the front of my brain, which is, as we record this early in the week, I can't put too much information because my brain is like a bucket with a hole in it. Mm. You can't put enough water in because it's as quick as you're putting it in, it's falling out. Something's mm. falling out as I'm putting it in. So sometimes too much information can be a bad thing. Sometimes it's all to do with how close to the game I put it in, but you can never be overprepared. Going going you know going into a to a to a game or going into a week after a game I've got to be optimistic yeah. I've got to love what I do because what's the point in doing something that I watched my dad go to a job uh, and he 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 skived for for most of his working life because he absolutely hated what did he do what he did he, he was just a minimum wage worked in sheet metal um made door handles and kicking plates in, in a nutshell and he hated every minute of it. He loved his workmates and, you know, I suspect he loved the, the fact that he was earning and, and was able to put food on the table. But he, he, we talked about my grandma before. My grandma used to say, if you find a job that you love, you'll mm. never do a day's work in your life. And everything I do, I'm passionate about it. I throw myself into it. That doesn't mean I'm comparable to running up hills and, and lifting weights and going into four-man tackles from a tap when you know you're going to get dished up. You, mm. You've got to find something to like about what you do. Yeah. If all of it is unpleasant, then just get out of there because life's too short. If you can find something that you enjoy, you embrace the tough bits, you embrace the challenges, then then you'll find something at the back end of it that you can look back and be proud of. And, and there we go. On a, on a final note then, give, give us that final motivational speech, Barry, because I'm already feeling more pepped up and you know you mentioned Jamie Peacock and he's on the, the sort of motivational speech circuit as well we're, we're in the nursing home you know whether that may be in 10 years it may be in, in 40 years time we're in the rocking chairs we've got Scrabble going in the front and, and I'm asking you oh Barry used to play rugby league you know what what did it give you what did it give you in your life it gave me confidence it gave me a set of skills that I that I didn't fully understand when I was playing so I'm task orientated I can be given something and I can begin in uh, middle and end I can get to the point where I know that I've completed that task but I've got initiative I can problem solve I can be trusted to you know how many kids do you know that are in the 20s that can't turn up to work on time well, it's only just gone nine I'm ridiculously early for everything me, me family I always say I'm going to be early for my own funeral because I'm all I'd rather be an hour early than a minute later all the skills that we acquire as sportsmen if you look close enough you can transfer them over to the next part of your life and I, I don't look back at, at my rugby league career I do draw on it but I draw on it only to push me forward and the the game is a pivotal point now we're at a pivotal point but I, I can recall joining it in 1991 where it was at a pivotal 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 point in 95 96 when it went full-time it was a, a real pivotal point then as well so in 1895 northern has got in a room they had an argument and they said no them southerners can do what they want we're going to create this northern football union in huddersfield in it? huddersfield yeah. so the george hotel Rugby right? League was created out, out of an argument. We've been arguing with ourselves ever since. So I think the game will survive. I'm confident the game will survive. But our responsibility is to bring people in. If you can enthuse at least one or two people within your immediate circle, 
Some of them might be as posh as you will. They might have the background that you've got, but if you can bring them to a rugby match and you can sit them down with the people that we know that are incredible human beings, the top, the top examples are, are, are Kevin Sinfield, Rob Burrow, I'd put Adrian Morley, Jamie Peacock, I'd put blokes like that in because they've started with something, uh, sorry, started with nothing and ended up with something. If you can bring some of your friends, I bring some of my friends, Flam brings some of his posh friends from wherever you're living in Manchester now, Altrincham. Then we just increase, we just increase the base and I truly believe we get more rugby balls in kids' hands and we grow the bottom of the pyramid, the top of the pyramid will look after itself. Look at that. Brilliant. Wasn't it? I feel like playing the game now. <laughs> You're making a comeback? Oh, yeah, I'm back. Back to Orford. <laughs> I thought when he went down the posh route, he was going to go down a gloves rant like John. No. But no, 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 no. We're, not, we don't go there anymore. <laughs> we don't do that Get anymore. Get over it. Uh, Barry, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for so the invite. much for coming in. No, we'd love to have you back, definitely. Uh, and look, you stupid idiots, go and review us. Yeah, give go us five stars, you yeah, idiots. Yeah, five stars. Five stars is, you know, that's, that's a five-star podcast right oh. there that Barry has delivered for you. So uh, we appreciate the support because, you know, all those little likes and clicks and follows, it sounds like we're begging you, but we are because it keeps yeah. it going and especially with all this rivalry we've got now with Jenna and John and all the mm. other five podcasts that Barry has, has plugged on Jenna this podcast. Jenna <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Ledge, thank you thank so you. much. Mark, uh, you did all right today as well. Yeah, well no, congratulations. You're, really, you're actually stepping up into the Steadily void. Steadily just ticking along. Now yeah. Will Corr's gone. You can get a word yeah, in yeah. Edgeways now, can't you? Well, you might be a there's motivational no speaker. speaker over me apart from you. <laughs> you, you, you could, I could see you going down the motivational speaker route. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe not with not. those trousers on there. a very low cost budget motivational speaker <laughs> um, come and see us next time we're on a couple of weeks give us a review and follow us at out of your RL keep out of your league at the top of the charts everybody see you next time